Welcome to Dig It. This is Edge. I'm here with Corey. How are you doing, Corey? Ah, doing pretty good. My sleep schedule's all screwed up, dude. Uh, I, the night before last night, I passed out at like 10 o'clock and I woke up at five. And you know, that's like when I usually go to bed. Right. Between three and 5 a.m. So I was so disoriented. So last night I'm like, I can't go to bed early again. I have to make myself stay up late so I can get back on track. So I didn't go to sleep till like three in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm struggling a little bit. Yeah. That was a little bit of a long gap there. I hear you. I hear you. My schedule is screwed up too. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But anyways, I'm sure our listeners are wondering where the heck speaker is. Right. <laughs> Poor speaker, man. Yeah. Well, he couldn't help it. He got caught in a storm last night and knocked everybody's power out. And so he is powerless. And... Actually, a bunch of trees went down. It's kind of a crazy storm. So yeah, he said over. Uh, he's going out to his car and charging his phone so he can message us. And over seventy, there's like over seventy thousand homes without power right now. So yeah, that's tough. So we missed your speaker, and we'll probably see you back next week. So we'll we'll get through this podcast and um, throw in chuck in some humor, some speaker style humor wherever we can. <laughs> <laughs> well. It's ironic that his power's out because that's one of the big things I want to talk about today is our power grid Yep. and part two of my report. It's um, been a week. It's been a heck of a week is what it's been. I mean, between the convention every night and the, the, uh, the Dems insanity, Pelosi coming out today saying, I don't think that there should even be a debate. And, mm. uh, and the hurricane, my God, the hurricane, I mean, it, total path of destruction, mostly by wind, but that touchdown, um, gosh, it was like one in the morning, maybe it was, it was pretty late when that hit down. And then, um, and then of course all these riots and I've been like trying to work on this report while all this is going on and I'm trying to pay attention to everything. So I actually missed, um, I saw the first night of the convention and then the, Second night, I, second and third night, right? Mm-hmm. We've had three nights, sorry. So the second and third nights, I had to go into Twitter late at night and just catch, you know, some of the speeches, but I wasn't able to, to watch the whole thing. So I suspect you probably watched more than, more than I did. I watched as much as I could. I kind of compiled some of my favorite messages because there were a lot of good key moments that I thought we should talk about. Um, you know, on the first night, uh, my two favorites were Donald Trump Jr. and Maximo Alvarez. So mm -hmm. Donald Trump Jr. had this one moment where it just really resonated with me because I know this is exactly how a lot of Americans are feeling. He said, you know, people of faith are under attack. You're not allowed to go to church, but mass chaos in the streets gets a pass. It's almost like this election is shaping up to be church work and school versus rioting, looting, and vandalism. Or in the words yeah. of Biden and the Democrats, peaceful protesting. Right. 
So that was like a key moment for me in my mind, but that was one of my favorites on the first night. And then Maximo Alvarez, I don't know that many people know who this gentleman is. I think he's a business owner. I've seen him before because he did another really powerful statement. Uh, he was on a panel with Trump at one point. I, that one brought tears to my eyes when it I did. saw that one. So, so when I saw that clip going around on Twitter from the convention, I'm like, I can't watch him again. I'll cry. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it, very powerful. It was so powerful. So he's a Cuban immigrant. He's an American citizen now. And he has just so much respect and love for this country because he knows the, the complete difference between coming from you know, a communist country to America. And he just said some really, really powerful things. He said, I've seen moments like this before. And he was referring to the, you know, the riots and the, this movement that's going on right now through the country. And he right. said, I've seen ideas like this before. I'm here to tell you, we cannot let them take over our country. I remember the promises of Fidel Castro. And I remember the people around me who suffered starved and died because they believed those empty promises they swallowed mm -hmm. the communist poison pill and yeah. yeah it was really really powerful i was crying i was holding back i know <laughs> yeah you can feel his emotion when he talks it's mm -hmm. so intense it really is intense and he was like i would give away everything i have today and it was still not equal one percent of what i was given this freedom this gift Aww. of freedom it was so Amazing. Wow. So yeah, that was a very powerful moment for the first night. And um, Nick Sandman made an appearance on Tuesday, which is one of my favorite moments. I and did see that one. That was great speech. Yes. Yeah, so he talked a lot about the fake news. He talked about a lot of how the news is used to smear and attack people and how they used it against him and how they're using it against Trump. And I just really loved at the end, he had this just really proud moment where he put his MAGA hat on. I, I know. <laughs> I can was great. see all the liberal tears, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was yeah. a good one. Yeah. So many people got triggered from that, I'm sure. Um, Melania gave a, a nice speech. She was very, you, you know how beautiful and graceful she is. And right. uh, she, did, she did really well, but she was attacked so hard. She, she always is. I know. She talked about, uh, about coming from communism and coming to America and just, you know, how she appreciated the freedom here. And it was a good speech, but, you know, she did get attacked for her accent, which she always does. Bette Midler tweeted out, quote, oh, God, she still can't speak English. I, mean, I know. This is these coming people from, are disgusting. These people are, are and yet th these people talk about xenophobia all the time. Uh -huh. I know. And that was like one of the most xenophobic statements I've ever seen coming from the left, you know, and these are the kind of attacks we see time and time again. But first of all, Melania speaks five languages, not mm -hmm. just, I mean. I know, I know. It's so absurd. These people are like in their, you know, of Hollywood and whatnot. It's their, their little group is shrinking and they think that they're all high and mighty and they're all that. And everyone else is just, scum of the earth and <clears throat> they don't care how they sound or how they're coming across or how judgmental they are or evil they are and their little world is shrinking you know yeah. eventually that's going to catch up with them and i think they're going to be very lonely people yeah i agree i mean there was another a moment kind of like that where nikki haley gave a speech and shortly after that you know following nikki haley's speech 
Leslie Marshall, she's this Democrat pundit, um, she tweeted out a remark uh, in regards to Nikki Haley's statement, which was, quote, you, the U.S. is not a racist country. But Leslie, Leslie Marshall's tweet said, in reply to that, said, says a white woman, unquote. So this tweet went viral before it got deleted, but lots of people um, screen capped it. Mm -hmm. Okay. She got hammered for this, Leslie Marshall did, because mm -hmm. not only is it incredibly racist to say that, but right. it's totally incorrect. Haley mm -hmm. <laughs> is obviously not You know whose white. speech I, I really liked that was, it was, it was hard to hear, but it was very powerful. And I, I, I'm sorry, her name is escaping me. The one who used to be with Planned Parenthood. Oh, I missed that one. Is it, is it Abby? I can't think of her name now. I feel terrible. I want to say it's like Abby. Um, oh, it was very powerful. I mean, I had tears in my eyes over that one. Um, about obviously all about pro-life and about abortion. And she shared some of the experiences she went through and saw at the clinic. It, it was, it was hard to listen to. Wow. Wow. That would be very, very impactful. Um, that was a really important one that, that needed to be said, you know? Definitely. Definitely. A couple of others I caught too. I'm trying to remember. Well, um, I saw the, the one I saw last night that really hit me was Madison Cawthorn. Have you, do you know this guy? He's, he's amazing. He's this young man running in North Carolina. He's only like 25 years old. So if he wins, he's going to be, you know, uh, the first or the youngest representative elected uh, in over 200 years. Wow. Um, yeah, he was in a car accident at 18 and it almost killed him and left him paralyzed. Okay, so he's a man, a, a man who has ad faced adversity. And, you know, he, he talks about that. And what I just loved, though, was that he talked about standing up for what you believe in. And he talked about mm -hmm. the, the bending a knee culture. And he, he talked about kneeling before God, but standing for the flag. And he said, be a radical for freedom. Be a radical for liberty and be a radical for our republic, for which I stand. And at that moment, he um, stood up using um, a, uh, a walker. And it was yeah. just like one of those moments, you're just like tears in your eyes, like so goosebumps. proud. Yeah, goosebumps, definitely a goosebump moment. I felt just really happy for him. And yeah. I just felt this sense of pride for our country, you know, and, um, and also it really does inspire me and make me feel like there's a, a whole generation of young people who are really waking up to what's happening and are, are like him, um, who are going to start serving, start, start being patriotic and, and, and standing for what they believe in. So I, I just thought that moment was definitely something to highlight. So Right. Well, in Grinnell, I, now I didn't get a chance to watch it yet, but I saw a lot of buzz going around on yes. Grinnell's speech. Oh, yeah. Grinnell's speech was like a nail in the coffin <laughs> for Biden. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to watch that. <laughs> yeah, it was good. I mean, he talked a lot about foreign policy and how Trump is doing really well in that area and fixing a lot of past mistakes. Uh, but then he really went into Obamagate and spying on tr the Trump campaign. And he said, that after he had gotten, you know, his intelligence briefing, that what he saw made him sick to his stomach. Mm -hmm. um, so, and then he just kind of went into all of that and just really 
laid it all out for the American people. Like, look, you know, Biden yeah. was one of them. You know, right? you, you could be electing. When are you people going to get it through your head? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was one of them. He still is. Yeah. But overall, all the speeches that I saw, they were very powerful. I mean, they were definitely handing it to the Democrats. Like, look, here, drawing a, a, a clear line. Like, look, this is what's happening. These are the differences. And here's our record of what we stand for, you know, clearly making a differentiation between the two platforms. But they did seem very positive. It wasn't like all negative doom and gloom stuff. It was all a very positive, patriotic, inspirational, and a serious tone. And the production value was way better <laughs> than the Democrat. Oh, yeah. Just the format, the way they did it. It wasn't cheesy with awful jokes right. and bad music videos and just like it it, it was just really loaded with Hollywood. We actually had real people. Yes, yes. I mean, they had like real American, everyday American heroes on it, on the stages instead of these Hollywood types. And so it was a, a huge contrast there. And I thought that the, 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 the Republicans did a really good job at the convention. Now, of course, we record on Thursdays. So we're not, we're recording before the final night, which will probably be, you know, the blowout night. And we're going to have to. Right. I'm going to have to watch this one. Yeah. With Ben Carson, Tom Cotton, Ivanka. Uh, Trump, <laughs> Trump, obviously. So uh, m many others. So it should be good and and close out the the RNC well. But I I think overall it was a huge success. Didn't you have something on the numbers at least for the the first? Yeah. So the Hill reported that on the first night of the GOP convention versus the DNC, uh, four hundred and forty thousand people tuned in to watch the first night of the virtual GOP convention compared to 76,000 views for the first night of the DNC. Now, I know, I realize we're talking, I don't have the whole report pulled up. I grabbed that little snippet for my notes. So we're talking, I'm just looking to see uh, what they're, okay, it was C-SPAN's live stream is what it was. That, that's what those numbers were from, which a lot of people watch um, on C-SPAN there. So that's pretty darn significant difference there. Yeah, that's telling. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And tonight we should have some, re Thursday night, we should have some really good numbers rolling in as far as the uh, ratings go, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. So why, oh, would, why don't we roll into your latest article, the FDA article that you wrote and published this, uh, this week, Corey? Yeah, so I was working on my uh, report part two over the weekend, and then Someone, I cannot remember who, I apologize, but someone in my Twitter feed dropped the um, letter from the senators to the FDA. And I'm like, what? How did I miss this? So I go in and find it. And I said, oh, I got to get this out because mainstream news is not going to report on this. So I put my report to the side to write this up. And I, and I looked into a couple other things too. And it's, it's a short, it's like a four minute read, believe it or not. It's a short article for me. So um, I was showing the, uh, the letter itself. Essentially, we have uh, Senator, three senators. We have Mike Lee, Ted Cruz, and Ron Johnson that wrote a letter to Commissioner Stephen Hahn at the FDA regarding their actions on the use of hydroxychloroquine. 
And they stated, physicians are concerned that the FDA's actions regarding hydroxychloroquine may be directly costing lives by limiting outpatient access to this potentially beneficial treatment. And they talked about how all of the, the, their actions have led to mis, misinformation and confusion across the country. And that, because we all know that they originally had the emergency authorization for use, but they were doing it in the hospitals and they were looking at that data of people that were already in critical condition. And they said, well, we find it not to be effective. So we're going to retract this. And then that just threw a whole spin on it. But all doctors across the country are allowed to prescribe it. The FDA cannot, does not interfere with that. Um, it's off label. It's typical. It's standard. But so what the senators are questioning is <laughs> what we've all been questioning. And in the four points of information they are requesting from them, which the deadline they set was 5 p.m. on August 25th, on so that was on Tuesday, um, are specific to, for example, please provide any studies and data that informed the FDA's apparent determination that giving HCQ or CQ to COVID-19 infected outpatients within seven days from the onset of symptoms under a doctor's supervision will have no clinical effect and may be harmful to the patient. And so, you know, in the next one, they're like, we want scientific studies on this and we want science statements on this. And, and, my favorite is, please provide any potential treatments for COVID-19 that have been utilized internationally, because we already know that they've been using HCQ and it's been working in multiple countries. So they say, whether those treatments are authorized or approved by the FDA and what steps the FDA has taken to ensure that these treatments are available in the U.S. So they've, they've got them really boxed in a corner. Now, they... Uh, Okay, so I've been getting messages. Well, it's past the 25th. So when are we going to hear, you know, if they put anything out? <clears throat> and in my humble opinion, I think what's going to happen is anything that the FDA provides to these senators um, is going to stay there. And they're going to hash this out. And eventually, hopefully, this moves up and they say, okay, well now the FDA needs to come out and say something, or they need to clarify this, or they need to, you know, they're going to take some further action based on what they're going to receive from them. And we know they cannot provide studies about the being, it being used as prophylactics or being used in um, early stages. Right. Because they're only pumping out, I mean, there's studies out there mm -hmm. that, you know, the senators could certainly provide to them, which may be part step two to this, but we know the FDA is not going to provide anything because they were only focused on, on the critical condition ones. Right. So then, you know, I'm keeping tabs on this. So my point is, I don't think we're going to just see all of a sudden, here's what the FDA provided us. Let's make it public. Uh, I think there's going to be a hashing out behind the scenes and then we'll find out what came of that, you know, whether that's the FDA speaking out or going on the news or doing a press conference saying, look, there are some studies showing that this can be effective. I mean, Han has already come out and said that it's between a doctor and a patient and that they, that they should just look at, 
you know, the doctor should obviously look at data that's out there. Um, but he hasn't done anything to nudge people in the direction. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He's keeping like really on the down low and he's not trying to encourage people to try. I love what, I love what Trump tweeted on August 22nd. He says the deep state or whoever over at the FDA is making it very difficult for drug companies to get people in order to the test or in order to test the vaccines and therapeutics. Obviously, they're hoping to delay the answer until November 3rd. Must focus yep. on speed and saving lives. So I think obviously we got a deep state problem still over at the FDA that's Oh, we do. The woman, I can't think of her name now, but when that retraction came out that threw everything into a tailspin, um, it's because of the, her language in it. Um, and she, oh God, I wish I had her name pulled up. She's really high up there, high in the ranks there. I don't, you know, I don't know if it's like a director of the science, yada, yada, yada. I can't remember her title, but she is the one, her name is the one stamped on that letter that came out that created all of the confusion. And all you have to do is read that to see how she manipulated the words perfectly. So interestingly, right, I poke around in the FDA site and I'm keeping tabs on this to see what Han's doing or saying. So on the 25th, hang on, now I lost my spot. Oh, here it is. Okay, so on the 25th, Bloomberg publishes an interview they did with Han. And in it, they asked him, they said, President Trump has been a proponent of drugs like hydroxychloroquine, even after the FDA pulled back an emergency authorization when it was found not to be helpful, which we won't even get into that because we know that's not true. So do you feel that political pressure and that it could happen with other products? So Han's response is, yeah, I'm aware of it. I've listened to all the conversations, but what I tell internally our folks is they need to make the decisions based upon the data. I have not reversed one of their decisions, nor do I intend to, unless I think it's absolutely wrong. So yeah, I listened to it, but it's not going to change what we do. So I look at this and I say, okay, he's not gonna reverse it, that's fine. It doesn't need to be reversed with the critical care already in the hospital, because if it's not helping in that case, then you know, that could very well be true. But if you're given the new studies and evidence that shows that it is working in the early stages, then you need to come out with that information. So he's not saying, you know, he's not saying here that that's not going to happen. He's only, only speaking to the past decision that's been made, but the senators have him boxed in on the early stages. So I'm going to, you know, I'll keep, following this and see where all this leads. But I do have a suspicion that sometime in the next few weeks, we might just, I don't know if it'll be like a presser with uh, Trump or what. I just, I don't know. That's just my sense. I think we're going to hear more on this. Yeah, we definitely need someone, people at the FDA uh, showing the real science, the real evidence and tests that we've that have been done uh, to show that hydroxychloroquine does actually work very well in those early and preventative ways. So, um, right, that's all we need. That's all we need, and for it to be 
available to people and for the you know the general public to be aware of this right oh yeah and they i mean they said people should really go in i'll put a link but people should go in and read the letter from the senators because i mean they they really did kind of hammer them quite well in a in a respectful kind of way but they but they did hammer them on some key points you know yeah so um and they're you know there's Say, and of course, this comes after the other report I had done on America's frontline doctors that have been trying to get this information out there, who went through that historical censoring takedown that happened in like 24 hours. Yep. So obviously, you know, they did speak with Pence, the doctors did. So I'm sure that this is all rolled in together. And this is what catapulted the senators to write this in the first place. That would be awesome. my guess. Yeah. Yeah, definitely need to keep an eye on that and how that develops. Yeah. So you were saying, which I completely missed, about the DOJ investigation going on. What's up with that? <laughs> yes. Well, it's not, it, it's not yes. technically an investigation yet. Right now, oh. this week, the DOJ announced that they're evaluating whether to initiate under the Civil Rights of Institutionalized Persons Act whether the state's uh, orders in New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Michigan requiring admission of COVID patients to nursing homes is responsible for the deaths of nursing home residents. Wow. Yeah. And the DOJ is requesting data from the governors of these states that may have resulted in the nursing home deaths. So basically right now, Cuomo, Phil Murphy, Tom Wolf, and Gretchen Whitmer are all pissing themselves. Oh, I'm sure. But I wouldn't request the data from the governors. I would be going directly to the, uh, well, hopefully they'll get that data and then they can cross-reference with the actual nursing homes because we know that some of that will be manipulated. A hundred percent it will. I imagine that they probably already gathered what they could from other sources. <laughs> right. And now we're just going to catch you in the lie. Exactly. <laughs> You did say New York, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. Hopefully we should see some headway made on that. Another just quick uh, thing I wanted to mention is that U.S. Marshals and Georgia law enforcement on Thursday are announcing the result of Operation Not Forgotten. And this is resulting, it was a two week long operation conducted in Atlanta and Macon. And the results are the recovery of 39 children. Wow. So good news, yay, yay. US Marshals <laughs> and Georgia law enforcement, thank you. Yes, thank you, wow. Yeah. Did you see the NFL players that all 77 tested positive and then later tested negative. These were false positive tests. Every single one wow. was wrong at uh, Bioreference Laboratory in New Jersey. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I would like to know what investigations are going on behind the scenes with the testing and the labs and all of that good stuff so that we can finally get the truth out about that and then have to report on the correct numbers across the board through the CDC, through the Surgeon General, through the FDA, so people actually have the real facts. Right. Yeah. Uh, there's, 
There's been a lot of those incidents. There was a lot coming out of labs in Florida. I think, I can't remember if it was New Jersey. I believe there was one in New Jersey before this incident too. But I just think that we can, we can uh, expect that there's a lot of these incidents. I would, I'm going to venture to assume that they're not, that some of them are intentional. Uh, but, you know, and, and, but they always say, you know, the, there was some contamination in the lab or you know, <laughs> right. some computer error, but, you know, it just seems like an, obviously like an, a pattern. Well, and so now the CDC has come out and I haven't even had time to really ponder this, but the CDC has come out and said, if you are, if you've been around someone that has COVID, but you've been asymptomatic then you don't need to test. So they're now reversing their actions on this, their call to action on this and saying, now you don't need to get tested. So what do you think of that? <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, they, they, every other day they, they contradict themselves. It's like, you know, Fauci with the no masks and masks. He first, he was against it and now he's for it. And you know, it just, they flip flop daily based I, off of whatever, suits their agenda for that for that day that week whatever they also dropped their quarantine from 14 days down to 10 Hmm. and uh so i know someone who had a son that had tested positive he had been around someone else who had tested positive and he basically just ended up with a um a headache was feeling, you know, kind of groggy. And I think maybe a little queasy, like the first day or two. And then the headache just like got really weak and was no big deal by like the third day. But he did test, um, did test positive, which I believe he had to do because of, you know, college, because ah, they're setting all these, uh, all these rules in places across the country with at schools and everything. And I'm just waiting to see how this is all going to roll out. I just saw that the, uh, you know what, let me go to my Twitter and pull this up because this was, mm, the FDA just authorized this. Hang on. Let me find it. Here it is. Okay. So Abbott, Abbott laboratories, you know, they put out a news alert saying we received FDA emergency use authorization for Binax Now, COVID-19 AG card, a rapid, reliable, and affordable antigen test for diagnosing the virus at massive scale. Test results can be displayed through the Navica mobile app. And if you go in and read the press release, it talks about how this is, this is free to you. Great news. And you have this on your phone and it can test within 15 minutes and you can carry it around and this can be like your ID to let you in. So they say this First of its kind app available at no charge will allow people who test negative to display a temporary digital health pass that is renewed each time a person is tested through their healthcare provider together with the date of the test result. Isn't that exciting? No, it's horrifying. (laughs) Big brother. Oh my gosh. Talk about the intrusion on your freedoms. I know. I mean, I know. just trying to so, simply try whittle away at that. It's it's sickening to me. Yep. So the FDA passed that. Thank you very little. Mm. So, but we're gonna we're gonna continue to see some of this stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. They're gonna try and 
try and monitor us. And I just, dude, I'm so done with this. I'm just, it's like, just, just peel the mask off (laughs) of all of this charade and show that the actual death rate, the actual numbers, the uh, people that they're marking down as cause of death COVID when they weren't even tested. Mm. It's disgusting. This is, this is how far these people are willing to go. Mm. That's what's alarming. Oh, I know. I know. Talking about how far people are willing to go. I mean, we, we've had riots for months now. City oh. after city after city on fire. It's been bad. This, this past week has just been horrific, especially in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. Kenosha is bad. It's bad. I mean, the riots, vandalizing, uh, shooting, it all started following this video that got, was caught, it caught a police officer attempting to arrest this man named Jacob Blake. And the video shows Blake resisting arrest and reaching into his car uh, when the officer shot him. And the media blew this up, of course, uh, to be another George Floyd incident without really getting into the investigation side of things, which the media is supposed to do, uh, taking, you know, take, let that take place first. Uh, but right. that, of course they don't do that. And they're leaving out a lot of very important facts and details. Uh, so Jacob Blake, he's, he has a history actually of domestic violence. His ex-girlfriend had a restraining order against him. So when he showed up to her place of work, she called the police. And Blake had a warrant for his arrest for the alleged rape of a 15-year-old girl. So oh, the police, wow. yeah, so the police were attempting to arrest him. Uh, the, the police officer tried to tase him first. That didn't stop Blake. Uh, the officer said that Blake had a knife. And actually, later in the investigation, Blake admitted uh, during the investigation to have a knife. And the Wisconsin Department of Justice confirmed that he had a knife. And it was retrieved from the floor of the driver's side of the car. So as Blake was resisting arrest, he went to his car, like lunged into his car. And that's when the police officer shot. Um, Knowing this information now, it kind of changes your perception on the incident. And it it doesn't seem to be that the the media, the the Democrats, Black Lives Matter, all, all of these sources are reporting the incident fully and correctly as it should be. Um, So this police officer, Rustin Shesky, he's not been charged as of yet because it appears if all of this is true, if he did have a knife and they were trying to arrest him based off of, you know, him being a a violent, abusive person, uh, having warrants out for his arrest, then it it appears to be justified. And I, I, I would rather than just, I would rather just a full investigation take place, you know? But right. that's not what they want to do. The mob wants to just, you know, make assumptions and burn cities down based off of these assumptions. Right. Uh, Jacob Blake, he's still in the hospital. And he's serious, but in stable condition. So, but since then, several businesses have been completely destroyed. You know, they've been burned to the ground in this town and people have lost so much as a result of it. And they have nothing to do with this incident. I know it's awful. Yeah, so violence has broken out. There's uh, three people who have been shot, two being killed. Uh, the shooter, his name is Kyle Rittenhouse, and he's the 17-year-old uh, kid. And uh, he was, he's being described by the Democrats and the media 
and as well in as a white supremacist terrorist mm-hmm. and insinuating that the shootings were racially motivated, but the video evidence doesn't show that at all. In fact, you know, he wasn't the first one to shoot. He was, there was a, there, there was a, there were other shots first. Right. Uh, and he was being attacked and he shot in self-defense is what the video evidence shows. Again, I'd like for a full investigation to play out um, before we condemn this guy. But, you know, they, there were video, there's were videos taken prior to the shooting of Rittenhouse uh, where he was being interviewed and he wasn't making any racist statements. He was stating that he was only there to protect property and provide medical emergency medical assistance. He may have even been providing that medical assistance to the protesters and rioters. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure about that, but that's what I've, I've been seeing and reported on from people who were on the ground. So there's, there's no statements from him as far as I know that were aggressive or making racist remarks. On the contrary, there's actually video evidence of one of the men who was shot being the aggressor towards him and making racist remarks. Right. So, so one of the men that, that was shot, that Kyle uh, shot, was this man. He was a registered sec- sex offender of a sex crime against a minor. Uh, the other man that was now shot. Was, that, was this the one on the street where he was running down the street? Or was this over like in the lot, the very first shooting that took place? I'm not sure on the order in which they were shot. Okay. I know that this one was one that was killed. There was another man shot. Um, he had a criminal background of battery and domestic abuse. And then the third man who, who was shot, who survived, uh, he was shot in the arm. He was chasing Kyle with the pistol. That was the one in the street, was the man chasing Kyle with the pistol, I believe. And so he already also had a record as well of being intoxicated and, and having a firearm. So these, yeah. you know, it's not a one-sided story the way that it's being portrayed at all. Um, and Kyle Rittenhouse, he, he was arrested. He's being charged with murder. Uh, but the evidence that I've seen, uh, appears that he is, uh, was acting completely in self-defense here. And uh, and he walked down the street right up to the police. He did. He, he immediately, I think he might've even called them because he was on his phone at one point. So he may have been the one calling him. I don't know, but, but he did walk and give himself over to the police as as immediately as soon as they came. Um, He was totally compliant. And, um, but the good thing is that the attorney for the Covington, Covington Catholic school kids, Lynn Wood, um, says he's Uh. Yeah, says he will defend Rittenhouse. Wow. And that the video clearly shows justified acts of self-defense. And Lynn Wood has also stated that once this case is dismissed, accusers should be held accountable and they should pay. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. He's also, I believe, representing... um, Oh, I just blanked out on her name. Dr. Simone or Simone Gold. Is it Gold or Goldman? Simone Gold, I believe, from America's Frontline Doctors, because she lost her job over all of that, of trying to expose this and get information out to the public. So I believe that he's representing her as well. Awesome. That's great news. Right now. Yeah. So 
So let's talk about part two that you've been working on of this bulk power, protecting bulk it's power insane. from bad actors. It's insane. Um, my doodle looks much better, by the way. I had to... <laughs> <laughs> I had to stop and sketch it out because I was starting to lose track of the web. So we were were making fun of Corey. We were (laughs) (laughs) posting conspiracy theory memes. Oh yeah. Her web that she was drawing, but uh, yes, it's it's very intricate. It's a beautiful graphic now. I've actually added to it since the last one I sent you, but um, yeah, because it's it is it's going to be tricky to follow along unless you can kind of see how it all interlinks i think and so all right so part one which didn't get as much traffic as i anticipated it getting and i don't think people understand the significance of this so while everyone is so focused on like spygate and arrest and we want indictments and we want justice and yes i agree i do but what happens if the power grid goes down tomorrow in the entire country for say weeks or months? That would be bad. That would be really bad. So there are some big moves. What people need to understand is there are battles on multiple fronts taking place right now. And if you pay very close attention and start weaving together some of the actions that are happening behind the scenes, it, it shows a story. It shows how they're coming at this from many different angles to protect Americans, to, um, to essentially, so it's like while these takedowns are happening, they're also protecting us. And in order to do that, one of the first things you have to protect is our freaking power grid. I mean, that would be national security our entire livelihoods, you know, it's vital. So part one breaks down executive orders, bills, and actions that have been taken, not just with the power grid overall, but the whole, our whole energy system. So from like solar to telecommunications, to the technology, to the semiconductors, all the parts that go into powering things up. Um, You know, you got your 5G and everything, and I have that in here as well. And I know you and Speaker did a podcast on that, so I have that linked in here too. Um, And, you know, electricity as a whole. And so it's, it's this whole, like, bulk power system and technology and protecting it from bad actors. So this is really important information for people to know, to see what's really being done here. And I take you back to 2012, long before Trump was even president, where he was calling all of this out. And, and there are definite threats from China in a lot of these areas. So that's talked about here, as well as the whole climate change hoax and the money that's being made um, on that, but I suspect more than just money, the, you know, the manufacturing of the parts and the components and everything that's being installed over here. I mean, those, you know, you have to look at the whole picture and we just saw, I haven't read it yet, but I remember seeing a drop about a week ago pertaining to the power outages in California and how, 
the solar, you know, may be great, but if the power goes down and the electricity, then it's technically not feeding through that cycle. So, so we just, you know, stuff is being done on serious, serious actions are being taken here. And in part two, which is what I've been working on, and I kind of sidestepped to knock out the uh, FDA report because I thought that was really important information for people to see. Uh, so I'm working on part two. My, my, I was, my hope was to have this out this week, but God, who can keep up with this week? It's been <laughs> such an insane week. It's crazy. Yeah. And, and I'm actually, I'm going to be out of town Saturday and Sunday. So I may not get this published until Monday or Tuesday. I'm, I'm trying my hardest here. I'm like 85% done, but then I had to stop and create this whole map, this graphic image so people can see the connections here because this is really quite big. And whereas these individuals don't, um, not everything that they're involved with is energy or power related that is a portion of it. And there's other areas such as land and uh, pork and uh, a lot of other industries that are, that are tied in. What's that? Tied into it. Yeah. Tied in, but also trying to monopolize. And there's this, this, Obviously, China's very involved. There are three individuals in this report that link to many other individuals and organizations, and two of them are from China. Um, and in here, I st completely stumbled upon a connection to Ted Wheeler, which is interesting. And uh, of course, Bill Gates connects in. I still can't do a report without him connecting in somewhere, <laughs> right. which wasn't my intention, honestly. I, I like I didn't wasn't trying to go there. So, um, I mean, this ties in with the World Bank and the IFC. And I mean, this is, this is really, really important information that's going to show the uh, attempted monopoly of energy as a whole. There's, there are two, there's one company in China and one company here in the US. And this is all kind of interwoven and there are some big takeovers happening and there's connections to some of the Chinese companies that Trump has put sanctions on and the CCP. And uh, so it's quite, it's quite fascinating. It's really important that people be aware of this and pay attention to this moving forward. So I am going to be working on getting that wrapped up over the next several days. We and have got to have a, a secure bulk power system. That is the, the juice that everything else runs on. And yep. yeah, so it's important. It really is. And then, you know, on another front, so Trump's been fighting, you know, the abortion agenda and has been very, you know, obviously the most pro-life president we've had. Um, since he stepped into office and just recently cut funds for um, Planned Parenthood international abortions and other organizations to the tune of 140 million a year in nice. dollars that will not be going out to that. So, and we've seen those cuts here as, as well. Um, they still do receive some funding 
but they can't receive it to any of the clinics you know that are doing the abortions and and so there's my point is there's many different battles on this evil that surrounds us and this swamp and now there's talks of you know with covid and everything could turn out to be a blessing in disguise when it comes to the education system as as difficult as i'm sure that is for all the parents out there right now trying to deal with this it's pushing people into new ways of thinking and and new ways of doing things and um that's one of the things that talks about is trying to get it to where parents have the right to choose what school and you know so i think we're going to absolutely some uh, changes and momentum moving forward in the education system, which is all tied to indoctrination. And so they're, you know, and then also you look at the whole uh, pharmaceutical and drug industry and bringing manufacturing back over here. And so there's these massive scale things that have yeah. been harmful to all of us for decades that are now being changed and altered. And so I think it's important that people see the, you know, focus on the good points of that and see how we can all kind of work together and move forward in positive changes. Yeah. All of these areas are so important. Gosh, when you think about the education system and how badly it needs to be reformed and how we do need choice and how amazing that would be for this next generation of kids. I mean, you see the kids out in the streets how they've been indoctrinated through the education system for the past, uh, you know, decade or so. And you're just like, man, you really, really see how important the education system is and giving people a choices to, um, to provide the best education for their kids without all that crap indoctrination. Uh, so yeah, that's a huge one. Uh, and definitely we've learned from COVID about how uh, the pharmaceutical industry and our pharmaceuticals for our country really need to be here in house, you know, uh, it's right. not have to depend on countries like China um, who could withhold things from us, you know, God, think right. about that. And they did, right. you know, I mean, so. Uh, yeah. And he's trying to bring manufacturing back here as a whole. So yeah. there's a lot of, um, I think that there are probably, a lot of things going on behind the scenes that people aren't necessarily connecting the dots to. Like for example, and I know I think I probably mentioned this last week, but it was just such a key thing, a key element to it. The Tennessee Valley Authority, you know, on firing the chairman and putting out an executive order that now orders all federal uh, agencies to do self audits on how many people are hiring in from foreign countries and that that needs to stop and they need to hire American. And they got, he got people, their jobs back at the Tennessee Valley authority. And the reason that played such an important role in this whole power grid thing is that they control the electricity generation to most of Tennessee and portions of roughly six surrounding States. And they were shopping out, 20, I believe it was 20% outsourcing for technology and whatnot, and then replacing people there, replacing their positions with uh, foreigners. And so 
just really hunkering down. And, you know, at the time people saw that, they probably thought, oh, that was great. And this is about the American worker. But that also ties in to electricity. So there's a lot of things happening. A lot of battles being fought on many fronts. It's way more than just about indicting some top level people that we want to see indicted. You know, we have to, it's almost like a taking over control and a restructuring of the entire infrastructure to, yeah. to weed out all of the bad seeds. Yeah, it really is. It goes deep. It's a lot of work, but we've gotten, we made a lot of headway. I'm actually, I'm actually very hopeful um, about, uh, about the future. I, I know that's kind of hard to say. It's, it's, it's a dark time. A lot of heavy news comes out every day, but I actually am. There's a lot helpful. of uncertainty right now. And I think that's the hardest part for people is all the uncertainty, you yeah. know? Yeah. But, but I agree. I, I do. I think, um, I think if we can contain this whole mail-in ballot issue, fraud issue that Trump's going to win by a freaking landslide. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> I saw this one video, uh, you know, of the riots in Kenosha. And, you know, there was a business and they had their windows broken in and the man was screaming out to the rioters, are you trying to get Trump reelected? <laughs> He's like, I have mouths to feed. He was so mad, obviously. I mean, of course, oh. but that's, I mean, it, it's, it's a boomerang effect that's happening right now. I think that exactly. it's, it's going to be a landslide. And yeah. And I've, I've seen some buzz on Twitter now. I haven't seen it myself because I haven't had time to go in and, and look, but I've seen some buzz where apparently now the MSM is trying to backtrack this and mm -hmm. now they're talking about the riots a little bit. Mm -hmm. is, have you seen that? I haven't, I haven't had time to really pay attention to what they're saying. <laughs> yeah. I saw a little bit about that. We may see a narrative shift coming and, you know, may have already started a little bit. But yeah, I think they're, they're starting to realize that, you know, voters really aren't interested in having more of this garbage, you know, going on in the streets, right. burning, business down, burning businesses down and, you know, right. just all of that chaos. So, so yeah, so we may see a narrative shift because yeah, that's not a winning, that's not a winning argument. Pelosi there. does not want debates. No. I don't think we should have debates. The president doesn't deserve it. <laughs> oh my goodness all right well it's just gonna get crazier and crazier as the weeks go by we just gotta buckle up and uh stay focused that's right stay in it to win it all right guys thanks for staying with us here on dig it with usually the speaker who's not here today but we'll be back i'm sure next week myself we miss you, we miss you speaker um, myself the sharp edge and of course Corey lynn of Corey's digs please be sure to share this podcast we're on google play iHeartRadio, soundcloud spotify stitcher tune in and as always youtube we'll see you back next time right here on dig it Thank you.